Welcome to the Week in Italian Startup, where we discuss the latest highlights happening in the Italian tech and investment ecosystem. Welcome, Nick. Ciao, Jack. Buongiorno. Yes, the, the market is currently restarting slowly, so yes. there are things going on. Uh, announcements are, are coming back, so interesting week. Awesome. So let's start. Uh, let's um, highlight the, the two biggest deals of last week, I would say. So Net Fintech, a fintech startup raising 1.7 million euro from WeHolding and uh, one of our favorite, Banca Valsabina. Yep. Uh, this is a, let me call it a traditional fintech startup. Uh, they operate in the uh, uh, finding credit lines and the right type of uh, debit or supporting finance product for your company. So nothing particularly fancy here, I would say, uh, other than uh, Banca Vassabina is one of the investors and we've seen them quite a lot. So they're taking positions in several fintech startups, either investing or acquiring uh, minority stakes. Uh, not, not a bad round, 1.7 million. So it's a, the usual big-ish seed or small-ish series around. And we've seen quite a bit of them. So no, I agree. The biggest of We've seen uh, really Banca Vassabina in the past year, like moving extremely fast. Uh, what I found particularly interesting is that uh, if we go and check uh, their website, actually, there is not much publicity in terms of what they're doing. So uh, even if we go and try to check what's going on, it's very tough to kind of, uh, they're not promoting their kind of activity, but uh, underneath, they're really trying to get into the right place so that they can, probably can integrate services, like we always say, and in uh, different product, so it's a, it's a super interesting move. Super interesting move. Yep. Yeah. Not in the newsroom. Have you taken a look? Did you take a look to the, uh, the newsroom? I was actually. I was more looking for like a specific page where they say, "Hey, we're uh-huh. we're like innovating by investing in different companies, participation, and so on." But uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm probably also there is no. There is no let's so point, inbound actions in yeah. terms of you know being visible. Yeah, it's very That's corporate in a way. Also, the newsroom is a lot about like uh, you know quarterly result. Yeah, some mention of uh, some like the investments that are they are doing, uh, but really it's still like kind of low key. I would say. Yep. Yep. So no inbound actions. So they probably they are doing very specific outbound actions to, to find uh, their targets. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good, yeah. Good observation, Jack. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. It's interesting. So, uh, so yeah, great strategy. We'd love to talk about, uh, about this with the, some of the people from there. We need to reach out and, and see what's, uh, what's going or on. Or if, if they're listening to this, please feel free to reach out. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Awesome. So, uh yeah um that's uh, that's an interesting uh actually it's talking about change capital which is basically the brand that net fintech is uh, is using to commercialize as you say it's uh something that we've seen before uh but uh it's 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 very like functional for i would say the special historical moment when there is like a 
uh, a very scarcity of banks kind of uh, supporting companies to give like uh, liquidity for development development like uh, like business development in general so this definitely like riding uh, a very very strong need of the of the of the whole economy i would say so that's uh, that's interesting all right um let's uh, let's also talk about uh, moving on um, let's talk about uh, impossible which uh, it's a very curious deal i would say so if we so it's a, they define themselves a next gen production company uh, they are i think la based but uh, most of the team is italian R managed to raise 1.13 million us dollars in pre-seed by different business angels and then exor uh, which uh, I don't think is XOR seed in particular. It's probably like the holding company. Uh, so looks like is uh, is from a different like uh, starting point. But let's go step by step. Let's start by understanding exactly what's going on with these guys, which are extremely, you know, kind of upfront in what they're trying to to do and uh, uh, with a lot of components, I would say. Um yeah, actually, uh, probably not easy to, to to just understand quickly understand what they are doing. But for sure, this is uh, they're envisioning some uh, new uh, type of approach to content production for the metaverse. So we're talking about uh, you know all the new layers of uh, visual content. Uh, uh, objects, things that will populate the metaverse in a sense, and they're going after this new market that's opening. So, and they, I, 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 I've been, I, I know them. I've been we've been meeting them in the last couple of years, uh, and of course they've been, you know, evolving quite, quite fast because the the, the same concept of metaverse is a, a bit of a moving target right now. Uh, so difficult to grasp, at least for myself, and not getting it at all, uh, but. Um, yeah, let's say this is what they're doing, or my understanding of what they're doing. I don't know whether you want to add anything. Yeah, to I like I like the fact that they're trying to take the problem of um, content creation and, in particular, like quality content creation for the metaverse in a very systematic way, and actually providing tools for writers. So, uh, f on different perspectives. So, it's a production company, which means they're supporting writers to write and promote their story. Uh, they give them tools. Uh, they're talking about originals, how they're gonna basically be a, a fully blown production company like Netflix or Amazon styles, where they do original content, which is pushed by them. And on top of that, look at this, Nick, it's uh, Impossible Ventures. So there, it's, it's, it's coming soon. So basically it's probably a way to actually accelerate and push them like a sp uh, particular like creatives particular selected creatives to um, to actually like promote stories and grow followers and uh, you know do something with the stories in general so they're uh, they're really like tackling the problems from a series of different angles that's uh, that's very interesting uh yeah even though that's basically what the production studios studio does right so scouts for stories and produces them <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah uh, is, is it venture capital I, I don't know i don't know 
good, good point. Great point. I, I I don't know what anything is any is anything <laughs> anymore. So I don't. I have no ideas. Uh, well, if you think about it, I mean, before and venture capital, there was there was Hollywood. There were producers yeah. who invested into stories and brought the stories on the on the big screens. So, yeah. I mean, yes, oh, that's it. <laughs> but and with uh, new means on over new platforms, over new technologies, that's for sure something something new. I think the use of AI also is something that can be interesting. So scouting stories in the in different elements. So they're claiming that there is AI that they're gonna uh, deploy in order to find stories that are particularly interesting, uh, commercially speaking, or for whatever their their needs uh, are. And uh, that can be a great uh, great way to have an investment angle. I mean, it's uh, I'm thinking maybe we're thinking too much like. Uh, uh, like VC firm, uh, you know, where's the investment thesis, how it's going to work. Do they need that? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe maybe they need a tool and then they need to go through the through different steps that the production of, uh, of content has been in the, in the, in the past years. Maybe. That's interesting. That's, uh, well, that's... I, I don't know. It's, a, it's something new, something very new in terms of, you know, uh, 20 years ago, you had like, I don't know, just a few television channels with the main content. Um, produced in the world, channeled through these 20 television channels and the content was, you know, just that. Uh, there was a certain number of uh, things produced. Yeah. Netflix changed it in a sense. Maybe TikTok is going to change it again in a sense. Fine. The Metaverse Web3 is changing all of this again in terms of quantity, of quality, of ways of consuming. So maybe there is something interesting here that we'll only witness in five years from now because today is built to to liquid to fluid to actually yeah. grasp so i've got no idea but still yeah i don't know uh, anything anymore That's <laughs> it's a complicated episode today it's very complicated yeah so the, another really cool element is that uh, they're taking this as a story as a service model so they're kind of putting as a service uh, into the into the the game and uh, the way that they're going to create and produce stories is uh, AI, human, or hybrid, hybrid written stories for both Web2 and Web3 projects and brands. So they're going to allow AI to actually support uh, the, the content creation part. And uh, we've seen this like happening. I mean, visually, we've seen uh, uh, one of the news that you were mentioning, how exactly this AI is, uh, is basically becoming an artist. Uh, I forgot the name uh, of, uh, of the tool that uh, that we mentioned a few episodes ago. Dali. Exactly, Dali. Yeah. yeah. So there, uh, there are more. There is there is a lot of stuff happening in that space right now, mm-hmm. uh, including an open source so open source version of uh, of something similar to Dali. So uh, I mean, yeah. it scales right now. And uh, think about this in, in storytelling and uh, writing stories, narratives and everything. That's uh, really changing forever the, the creative process of, of writing and, uh, like, uh, like fiction or non-fiction. Well, fiction maybe starts. Well, yeah, in a sense, if you think about it, GPT-3, uh, you, know, you, you give GPT-3 a topic or an incipit and it will complete uh, the, the reasoning. Uh, apparently, at least, mm-hmm. so not just you know complete the sentence, but complete the reasoning. Uh, so AI is better than a, uh, than a human writer because mm-hmm. 
uh, explain and it will tell you the pros and cons of why AI is better to a human writer for certain types of storytelling. Um, I'm not surprised that the natural continuation of it is, you know, uh, I give you a dragon, a princess and a knight, tell me a story about it. Interesting. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Mm. Do you remember when everybody, everybody thought that, you know, uh, boring, repetitive jobs would be the ones that would be uh, uh, eliminated, eliminated by AI? Yeah. 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 Think again. Yeah. Think again. <laughs> so now even creativity is at risk and these AIs are, yeah. are just taking over. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's okay. We're going to end up like batteries. Like, you know, you remember the Matrix. We're just batteries. And that's it. As simple as that. Probably even worse, consumers. Okay, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Um, let's talk about Exor and its investment in, uh, in an Indian EV startup. Uh, it's uh, ultraviolet automotive, basically manufacturing uh, vehicles, two-wheeled vehicles like motorcycle uh, in India. And uh, Exor is participating. And I would say that, um, okay, um, from an investor standpoint, that's probably the highlight of last week in terms of volume. It was a huge investment. And uh, Exor has been definitely in the, uh, on the edge of uh, um, being basically the protagonist of many shifts. And that's another investment that confirms the, the thesis. So aside, Exor seeds aside, uh, even the holding is definitely in the forefront. And that's uh, that confirms. So, so yep. yeah. Yeah, I have to say that this is not the first investment they, they, they make in India. Mm -hmm. uh, they invested at least another Another time and probably a couple of times in the recent times, mm -hmm. one was a portal aggregating mm -hmm. uh, um, repair maintenance and maintenance services for the automotive. So perfectly in line with what they're doing and the history of the group. Uh, and again, here in ultraviolet. Um, and as we as we are talking about EXO, uh, I was checking the ExoSeeds website. They have impossible in the portfolio, so the investment ah. impossible is actual ExoSeeds. So interesting. Ah, okay, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Mm. Okay. And probably the second or the third investment they make in a um, foreign company, US-based company, uh, run by Italians, funded by Italians. There's a trend here. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Very interesting. That's another. You know. Uh, Another another um, episode that we should craft about just talking about XOR and XOR strategy. That's definitely something worth uh, worth a full a uh, full uh, thought about that. Well, we should really invite them. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. That's uh, that can be like something super interesting. All right, talking about um, maybe some interesting. Uh, that's that's the news that actually you mentioned, and it, that definitely caught my attention. The fact that Ultra Venture is uh, exited a position. Uh, in um, in Centro Medico Sant'Agostino, which is basically, uh, I would say, like a, like a, a chain of hospital-like uh, locations, and uh, and yeah, I don't know exactly uh, what's what's the performance of the investment if they they made money or not, but that's uh, it's definitely um, it can be I would say interpreted as a good news because um, you know Ultra has been investing in very specific. Uh, verticals related to impact uh, is one of the first first fund in Italy actually doing impact investing as the primary subject of their investment thesis 
So uh, yeah, I mean, I hope it's a good news for them. Uh, so that's uh, that's good. Yeah, actually, we, from from the article, I don't know much about the story of Walter and or Cinto uh, Medico Sant'Agostino, uh, but uh, what you know, and from the article, Walter was basically one of the founding um, partners of uh, Centro Medico uh, back in 2009, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and they invested heavily since the first fund they raised into the into the project, and uh, from the article. Uh, it appears that they continued investing with all of their uh, subsequent funds. Um, so for sure, they had a very important um, uh, financial in- interest uh, into the success of the Centro Medico San Agostino. Um, as you say, uh, I have to point out that uh, it, it was one of the first, probably the first uh, medical clinic uh, heavily um, using technology to automate and simplify processes and things. Uh, so one of the um, um, differences with traditional hospitals or clinics where, you know, uh, operating mar- margins were a bit different because of uh, a streamlined process and uh, proximity to the uh, to the patients, uh, so they, they, they at least they talk a lot about about this diversity, efficiency, uh, and so on and so forth. So, um, an interesting story for sure. Um, in the newsletter, I I said sold, even though actually the article says exited the mm-hmm. position. So I don't know what actually that means because there are yeah. no numbers uh, cited in the article. Probably also has been um, divesting mm-hmm. for quite a while the position. Because Centro Medico has been growing, is now a, yeah. quite a big uh, reality. Uh, so we, I don't know about numbers, but I would say that starting from scratch, probably mm. it was a good, good call at the very beginning. Awesome. All right, let's uh, let's shift the attention then to more some more academic uh, elements. So uh, let's talk about the report from Battery, uh, which I thought it was extremely interesting. So uh, for the listener, Battery is one of the uh, biggest, probably like uh, investment firm uh, in, uh, in the US. Uh, they've been, well, they have different offices between the US and Europe. Uh, they've been like, uh, you know, working with a lot of SaaS companies. Is one of the big SaaS investors existing today, I would say. Uh, I think they're investing out of uh, Fund 14. So uh, their story, is a more than 30 year of operation and uh, yeah just saying that they're fun 14 it's something something incredible to me it's uh, mind-blowing it's mind-blowing truly mind-blowing uh the team is, is is pretty big and they have a very clear um clear strategy um also they support their companies with uh, very specific services which is which are catered for the growth of the portfolio companies so that's that's a nice model. It's a very nice, successful model. That's uh, I'm sure it explains why they've been operating like so long. So that's uh, that's cool. Um, one element uh, that you point out is the is the report that they were uh, they, they issued essentially, which is the the founders almanac Q2 2022, and uh, they basically introduce a new metric essentially, which. It's an old but new metric, I would say. So they call it the APE, 
which is an acronym for uh, annual recurring revenue per employee. So it's essentially you take your ARR, then you divide it by the number of employees. And according to them, that's really one of the most effective way to measure uh, two um, incredibly important uh, factors of the of the of, um, of a company, in, especially in the SaaS industry, which is growth efficiency and profitability. So that's a, that's a very very uh, you know key metrics that they're trying to in a way bring back. I've heard. Uh, people in the you know in the corporate world like just saying okay uh, you know the re- take the revenue divided by the employees uh, that's significant in some ways or another so uh, depending on the interpretation this is the SaaS application of that and uh, i like how they push them like a little bit forward uh, even um, kind of um, coming up with the uh, break even ape which is the total expenses per employee so it's the reverse of the medal which I thought it was uh, it was a cool a nice touch and on top of that uh, I think there are a few considerations to be made in terms of what historically has we have seen across uh, different phases of, of SaaS startup in terms of that metric I thought there was uh, there was really cool uh, cool data so we're talking about companies like uh, Zoom, Asana, um, GitLab, Twilio, Dropbox uh, and, uh, and the like and how exactly depending on the maturity of the company uh, the uh, the ape changes and there are interesting elements to that but uh, Nick I want to know what uh, what you think about that first <laughs> Paul you said it all uh, absolutely uh, and I agree with you I mean uh, probably everybody has been using revenues per employee since forever I believe uh, and it, you know I don't know whether many actually thought about ARR per employee mm-hmm. But, you know, as you said, a nice touch uh, with respect to uh, SaaS companies, where ARR is a much more important metric than human revenue, in a sense. Um, uh, I want to add that the the quarterly report uh, goes quite a bit beyond uh, just introducing the metric and making this highlight introduction to uh, how it compares uh, in the different buckets of companies, but they go uh deeper into actually um analyzing the current public market for cloud uh, cloud companies and how they you know are positioned uh also with respect to the ap metric and that's a, a very interesting analysis i would say yeah uh the uh, four quadrants analysis that they make is not just related to 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 the ap metric but also to the for the, the rule of 40 I think it's oh. quite interesting. That's good. Let's uh, let's check it out. Yeah, that's, uh, yep. that's good. There, there you are. Yeah. Um, interesting. I think this is, yep, yep, yep. Because they, they compare growth, the AP metric, the rule of 40, there's the rule of 40 as the as a compass in a sense. So very, very interesting uh, way of analyzing the public market. Uh-huh. I, I enjoyed it at least. Yeah, yeah. And then you also yeah. have a, a sec. Oh, please, please. No, I'm uh, for the people that don't know what the rule of 40 is, and uh, to be honest, I'm not fully deeply familiar with it. I, I understand it, but uh, I never really used it uh, on in the field. So uh, that's uh, basically it's a very uh, it's it's a rule that is being used for SaaS for evaluation of SaaS company. And then Nick, please uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And uh, basically, um, it, they add essentially uh, the combined growth rate and the profit margin 
uh, and uh, com basically the sum of these two elements should exceed 40% to in order for a SaaS company to be on the right track. That's a, it's kind of a it's, it's a sum benchmark. So either you know you have a high growth rate and small profit margin or vice versa in any combination of that at the end of the day if it exceeds 40% uh, that's uh, that's a good sign that's a good sign i don't know if you want to yep. uh, even sharpen this definition that's uh, that's cool no no that's perfect then it is actually it so it's a rule of thumb uh, metric to understand the health uh, of the software startup. It, it, it was probably even born before the concept of SaaS uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, was, was actually born. So we're talking about software startups. Um, and from a certain point um, in the startup life, life cycle, um, forward, going forward, uh, this rule tends to apply. So if you are below 40, then there's something wrong in the model. If you are above 40, uh, then you're doing quite well. So it has been, you know, one of those uh, rule of thumb rules that tend to become basically uh, leading uh, ways to analyze the market. So that's an interesting one. Very cool. Yeah, and for the... Um, I'm trying to remember who invented it. It was a partner of one of the main um, uh, VC, VC funds in, in, uh, in the States. Let me check. Interesting. And as you check it, uh, I really encourage people to, to dig deeper into the, the quarterly report. Uh, talking about the rule of 40, the two elements that have been used there to, to calculate is basically revenue growth rate when it comes to actually uh, company growth. So it's in terms of revenue in particular. And when it comes to profit margins, margin, they use a free cash flow percentage of revenue. So it's a, it's a free cash flow analysis uh, at the end of the day also. So that's, uh, that's particularly interesting. Okay, the rule was popularized. It's not invented, but made popular by Brad Feld and Fred oh. Wilson. Not ah, yeah, exactly, of course. you know. Of course. Uh, it's, uh, you know, well-known uh, players in the, in the American VC market. Exactly. And, and yes, so the, the basically it says that if you are a venture-backed SaaS company, venture-backed, so you know, you have the capital to invest, your annual revenue growth rate plus your operating profit should equal 40%. Interesting. Interesting. That's the rule. Yeah. And it, it, dates, it dates back only to 2015. So I thought it was older than that, but it feels okay. older than that. It's, it's it's just seven years old in terms of being popular yeah yeah, yeah. interesting all right um perfect nick um i don't know if you have any extra comment uh, i thought we covered the main some of the main highlights or well, if you if you feel like uh, it's the, the the battery ventures one uh, presentation is not enough there's a blog post about uh different metrics uh uh, for public companies, for public software companies regarding uh, cost of goods sold, R&D, um, GNA costs, and sales and marketing costs, with all comparison with all of them. Uh, how I mean they the SaaS spend ratios by the SaaS spend ratios. Okay, the one you mentioned in your in your newsletter. Perfect. Perfect. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. If you can't get enough of it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's another for you. Awesome. 
All right, Nick, thank you very much for joining uh, and uh, uh, I'll see you next week for the next session. Thank you, Jack. See you in a week.